And welcome to the Human Side of Healthcare. Steve Love, along with Thomas Miller, welcome to the show. We're delighted that you're here with us this afternoon. You know, we're going to talk about a very important subject, pregnancy and childbirth during the pandemic. COVID-19 has certainly impacted all of our lives, but can you imagine if you're pregnant or if you're delivering a baby during this time? We decided to go to a real expert, and we're delighted that we've got with us today Marjorie Quint Buzid, who is a MBA RN, Senior Vice President of Nursing, and she works in the Women's and Infant Specialty Health at Parkland Health and Hospital System. Marjorie, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about some of the changes maybe Parkland uh, has made at their hospital during COVID-19 to keep mothers, infants, and family members safe during labor and delivery. Can you expand on that? So what we faced at Parkland is really a challenge and uh, to just rethink how we do care. At Parkland, in our uh, women's infant specialty health, we pride ourselves on being a family-centered care provider. And so we are always thinking about families because, quite frankly, a lot of our staff or employees here at Parkland are mothers, and they are actually experiencing the same challenges, not just being a healthcare professional, but also being pregnant during this pandemic. So we take a very holistic approach. We look at things such as how do we need to um, bring people in for face-to-face visits. When we bring them in for face-to-face visits, is there are there some we've actually put some things in place where we screen them. We have a healthcare provider call after about symptomology um, before they actually even enter our campus. That allows us to then prepare for them for when they have to come because the pregnancy doesn't go away. Um, so while we were able to tell others to socially distance and don't go outside. And, um, you know, we also have to think that people are still pregnant. They still require health care. They still have to come to doctor's visit. And so we want to make sure that we have a way of uh, screening them uh, for symptoms prior to them coming in. And if they are positive and they do still need to come to the hospital, that we'll know beforehand and that we'll be prepared to meet them. We also had to think about basically when COVID-19 started, we had no really no real idea about the impact on the fetus, the baby that was growing inside mom. So we had to do a lot of internal meetings and pre-planning and looking at external guidelines from the CDC and other scientific organizations about how do we prepare for this baby that's going to be born and make sure the baby is safe, particularly if mom is COVID positive. Part of what we've done is we had to take a real critical look at our visitation policy. Um, how do we screen people, visitors to come into the hospital to make sure not only that we're keeping mom and baby safe, but that we're keeping our staff safe and then other visitors. So it's been a whirlwind of changes. All of it really still trying to um, keep the pregnancy safe, keep mom safe, and keep our employees uh, working with those individuals safe. Thank you, Marjorie. And let me ask you this. You touched on the visitation policy. And I know many of our listeners know during COVID-19, visitation has been modified and changed at all of the hospitals here in North Texas. But 
you know, the, the delivery of a baby is just such a blessed event. Are family members allowed to be present at, during the labor, and can they visit the mother and baby in the hospital? So that was important to us, and we, we had several iterations of our visitation policy. Uh, the short answer is yes, during the labor process, the birth and process, labor and birth process, we do allow a support person to be with mom. To one, uh, you know, she still does need psychological support, emotional support, physical support, that sometimes even a healthcare worker, even as well-intentioned as we are, cannot provide. And so we do allow a support person in the delivery room, as well as to, to visit with the mom and the newborn, as long as they're not COVID positive. Obviously, if mom is COVID positive, we do limit visitation after delivery. Uh, if they're mildly, mildly symptomatic, we do allow a, a visitor. Uh, and if they're actually full-blown COVID positive with respiratory conditions, mom generally is very sick at that point, And we do not, we allow, our team here has been very creative and we do Zoom visitation and that has worked very well. If the baby happens to need the services of our neonatal intensive care unit, we do allow two parents or caregivers to visit the baby. So let me ask you this, and I'm going to drill down a little bit. Have you actually at Parkland had any mothers that were COVID-19 positive deliver babies? Yes. Uh, so our mothers are representative of our community. So generally, it's it's natural that we did know that we would expect moms would come in positive. We um, we were initially we started out only testing women who were coming um, with symptoms. We then followed the science and realized our colleagues nationwide were actually experiencing some positivity in women who did not have symptoms. So part of us trying to be proactive, we actually initially at some at one point started testing every pregnant woman who was admitted for delivery. We had to since suspend that because of availability of testing supplies. And and then we've actually got supplies in, and so now we are still testing. So if you're coming in for a scheduled cesarean section, which is, you know, a surgical delivery, or if you're admitted in labor, we actually do uh, a full testing of all of those women. To date, we've had about... Um, approximately for the, the current latest available data I have, we've had 137 women who were tested positive during the pregnancy at some point. About 78 of them have delivered, and I think we've only had four infants who sus- subsequently tested positive at the second time. So we test the baby twice based on CDC recommendations. You know, you answered a question I was just getting ready to ask, and that was, if a mother is COVID-19 positive and delivers, does that mean the infant automatically has COVID-19? And I guess the answer is no. No, correct. So let me ask you this then. For any babies that did test positive for COVID-19, how are they cared for? in a separate unit, or what do you do with a COVID-19 positive infant? Because there's so little known 
uh, in the scientific community at this point because this is a new this is a new phenomena for us worldwide, and so we're very careful with our newborns. And so we actually, if a mom is positive, we isolate the the newborn and uh, care for the newborn. Um, we do mother baby care here where the baby would normally be in a mom's room with mom. If mom is positive, because we're still learning how this disease um, passes from mother to infant, we actually put the baby, if there are no asymptomatic, we put the baby in an incubator and allow mom to continue to room in with the baby. But we do teach her some guidelines about, you know, uh, keeping the baby, um, not breathing directly down on the baby. We do encourage still breastfeeding. That's important to us. But if the mom is positive, we actually, the baby is placed in our intensive care unit and in an isolation area that we've created. And we make sure, because we also don't want to expose other family members who are visiting or other individuals in the nursing staff to a positive baby at this point. You know, I know at all our hospitals, but especially at Parkland, you really focus during pregnancy on good prenatal care and providing good prenatal care for pregnant women uh, has, has certainly been something very important pre-COVID-19. But now that COVID-19 is here, how have you changed prenatal care for pregnant women? So that is, uh, if I may say, it's been probably our biggest, most significant challenge and change to the current way we provide prenatal care. One of the things that we realized very very quickly we had to do in supporting um, social distancing and people not being out in a community, particularly when they're pregnant, we... Uh, thought that we would be a, it would be a great opportunity to introduce telehealth visits. Now, this was at a time where our clinics were not really set up for um, video conferencing and telehealth in a, in a room, so we had to devise a very innovative process. And so our medical team, nursing team, administrative team came together and based on some information that we had because we were we just went through a rigorous community health needs assessment, we are really focusing at Parkland on addressing social determinants of health and the social context within which our patients function. And so we happen to have knowledge that a vast majority of our patients, while they have smartphones, they don't necessarily have access to high-speed internet and some of the hardware that it's needed for the traditional tele, um, telehealth um, platform. So we devised a mechanism where we actually did audio-only televisits. Subsequent to that, where um, we recently published uh, in the Green Journal of ACOG where it actually did make a difference and there were some learnings to do. So at one point, we were doing about 30 to 45% of the prenatal visits as appropriate were through televisits. We've honed that down and um, based on our internal lessons learned and we're about 20% of our visits now. So at the point where we thought we could start opening our clinics back up and having more people come in, we relaxed some of that and probably within four weeks we realized that when the community spread got more um, pervasive, that we've actually just started increasing back the number of televisits we did. So let me ask you, if a family has been blessed and they have a newborn and they're 
preparing to be discharged from the hospital, but they find that in the household they're getting ready to go to someone is COVID-19 positive. What discharge planning precautions would you give those parents? So we do an individualized assessment for each, um, uh, actually all moms who are uh, and families who are being discharged. We give them um, streamlined communication that's been vetted. They're you know appropriate for the reading level. Uh, all of the nurses have been educated on how to give that. Nurses and providers, so we're all consistently saying the same thing. We give them um, some education around what is coronavirus, and part of it is there's just a lot of myth, urban myth out there about it. So we try to make sure we use the opportunity to give them high level education on it. We do give them um, verbal and written information on how to protect themselves and others in their home around about coronavirus. We talk about um, how to keep yourself clean, how to use a hand sanitizer. And if you don't have that available, because that's real, um, what are some other ways to make sure that they're keeping themselves um, the maintaining hand hygiene? We talk about distancing and how to, how to maintain social distance in, in a home, particularly if the home has more than two people in it. So we, we actually, we go over how to address coughs and sneezes, how to clean and disinfect, um, and how to take care of other children in the home. So we think, we'd like to think that we've really used the opportunity to not just high level say, hey, socially distance and wear a mask, but to really help them to be practical, that they can use this advice actually in their current lived situation. We also do give instructions about uh, providers, you know, how when to see a provider, how to get to a provider, what are, what are appropriate face covering to use. And then if they're breastfeeding, uh, particularly if mom was positive and she has to breastfeed, we do talk about how to keep your baby safe while breastfeeding. You know, that's excellent information. And I have another question, a little unfair, but I, I, I really am curious You know, uh, a few years ago, we had to deal with Zika, and Zika uh, had an impact on pregnant women and the development of a newborn. and, And maybe it's too premature, but do you know of any studies that have been done, at least preliminarily, dealing with the possible impact and effect of COVID 19 on newborns or even on pregnant women? So I am not aware of all of the studies. I'm aware that even at Parkland, we have a significant amount of IRB level research activity going on, but not aware of anything that's been finalized and published about impact of a COVID positive on um, on the fetus, right, the unborn baby. What I will tell you is we actually believe that we could potentially have had one of the first infant that was born to a COVID positive mom that showed a vertical transmission, meaning that there was no other sign of any other way the baby could have gotten COVID positive, meaning mom did not have an infection. She was not ruptured for a very long time. And so we believe that this baby actually got the um, COVID virus that crossed the placental barrier. And so that study was published by uh, the neonatologists who work at, uh, for UT Southwestern at Parkland on that. So we're watching that 
nationwide and um, were actually, there was one other study, I think in China, that did demonstrate, uh, I think they had a few vertical transmission, but nothing else published in the United States. So this is still emerging and we certainly are doing our part to make sure we pay attention to it. So we've, we are actually changing some of our procedures, uh, doing uh, testing on the placentas and hopefully we'll know or we'll have something more solid. Providers usually are really wary to, to draw a, a scientific conclusion until they have adequate data, and that's wise. But we'll continue to monitor that. Well, that's terrific, and we totally agree. Evidence-based is, is the best uh, way to look at this. Marjorie, it's been a real pleasure having you with us. The nuggets of knowledge you shared with us related to pregnancy and childbirth especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, is so invaluable. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Hi, Marjorie. I had one question, and that is risks to the babies of COVID. So could you walk us through, let's say, a normal delivery? How risky is COVID to that newborn? And then take us through some of the complications. So let's say a baby was premature or had other NICU-type requirements. What does COVID look like in that household? How risky is it? So as far as um, what we know is COVID-19 is a respiratory virus, right? Because it's a respiratory virus, we don't think that once a person has it, they always have it. Uh, which is different from like HIV, uh, which isn't. So uh, once the body, with respiratory viruses, once your body mounts an immune response, then they usually clear the infection and and it's almost like a, a cold. So the infection clears out. So the issue is if mom has, um, is COVID positive, it is not based on the fact that we're not seeing very high rates of uh, transmission in utero from mom to baby once, and we would only know that once the baby is delivered. This point, there is no real scientific knowledge that it's harming the pregnancy at this point. So obviously, one of the things that I, I know there's a current IRB research looking at is, is it based on mom's, how sick mom is? So if she's asymptomatic and COVID positive or mildly, she's demonstrated mild mild symptoms, then likely that she doesn't have it, uh, she's not sick enough to cause any significant harm to the infant versus if she's very, very ill, is that enough of, uh, would that have a different impact on the infant? What we've seen here in Parkland is we've had some very sick moms who were very symptomatic and has delivered, and the infant is subsequently negative at delivery, COVID negative. So this, honestly, I I still believe we have so much more to learn. The positive thing and the good news is we're not necessarily seeing um, the babies being coming out just being really, really ill. As far as a premature infant, any assault on any of their on their respiratory system is never good, right? Because they're born prematurely, their lungs are premature. And so the good news is the the one baby that we've had we've so far only had four babies who tested positive at twenty four and then again at forty eight hours. So likely it is that they are COVID positive. 
the out of the four babies, only one that appeared that the baby was not exposed post-delivery and actually was exposed in utero. And that baby was um, actually a term baby and did very well. What we also did notice that there was some slight, uh, for the babies born a COVID-positive mom, they did experience um, just some slight respiratory symptoms where we had to monitor their, their breathing a little bit more but not had to intervene on any on any significant way. So we are actually trying to study and learn a lot about that. And this question might shift over more to a pediatrician, but after those prematures or the NICU babies go home, and then, of course, what we're seeing so much across all areas now of the country are uh, family spreads. So they go home, they're okay, but grandma and grandpa can't wait to see them and hold them and hug them and love them, and uh uh-oh, what does that look like? So... Which is why um, I said that we emphasize how to maintain safety at home on all of our discharge for our normal newborn discharge as well as our NICU discharge. We go over um, protecting yourself, protecting your baby, how to do, um, how, you know, how to keep that distance, how to um, share family time together, uh, some alternative ways of having grandma and grandpa love on, get very familiar with Zoom or how to maintain distance. Uh, because there, there's just too much unknown right now, and it's just not worth the wor- risk. For those who have had babies but have not had your excellent advice as they were discharged from your facility, what are some of the, just the quick version, the elevator speech, if you will, of what you tell folks to do at home? So hand hygiene, uh, always, always, always use hand sanitizers and uh, uh, as, as much as possible. Do not go out into uh, large gatherings at home. Keep the baby, mom and baby, because whatever mom has, the baby's already been exposed to it. If there are family members in a home that are positive or having symptoms, that they not come into close contact with the infant, that we uh, we actually teach them how to space out. So, you know, two chairs apart if you're sitting in the living room. Um, wearing masks. So we do encourage them to wear a mask. Um, we do provide masks for visitors, uh, for support people and um, patients here at Parkland. And so we tell them to wear their mask. Um, they can wear either a mask that they got from us or one that they bought. But we do still encourage mask wearing. Um, again, part of it is, you know, keeping your face and nose covered, your nose covered. And if also, it's kind of hard to put a, a mask on a baby. The baby won't keep it on. <laughs> I, however, I did see um, somewhere overseas where they had the little baby face mask, and we're actually looking at, do we think that's safe? So, you know, obviously as hospitals, we always have to think of other implications, but we're looking into even, is that something that's working in other countries where we get little teeny tiny face masks for these babies? Right now, we have not implemented that because we're actually evaluating the safety around that, just from a a choking or suffocation standpoint. 